Well, good morning, Village Church. It's good to be with you again to preach the Word of God. I'd ask you to get your Bibles or your tablets or your phones and open the Scriptures up to Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. Now, something I was thinking about this week was how God has wired us and made us. And He, he calls us broken vessels and jars of clay. And one of the things I think about when I think of clay or jars of clay is that they always get drained. And I think the idea in the life right now, things we're going through, I think we all feel this sense of being drained and sort of exhausted. But since what the Bible says, there's three things that can fill you. One is the Word of God. Two is the Spirit of God. And three, it's the people of God. And what we're enjoying right now, I think a lot of us, is the Word of God. We can hear it preach. We can study it, listen to podcasts. There's the Spirit of God working in us. But I think the one that we're really missing are the people of God. And that's the importance of connections. And I'm just reminding you here at the church that we've got connections all lined up for you to participate in. This week we've got VBS for the kids. When you think about that, think of not only your kids, maybe your neighbor kids. Maybe you'd like to do it in the evening with another family and you have two couples getting together with their kids and doing VBS together. But we've also got ministry set up for the uh, women's ministry where there's Bible studies for that. They've got porch gatherings that they're doing. There's men's ministry. There's forge for the youth. And, of course, we have our outdoor services. I'm just reminding you there's places to connect at this time because that connection is one of the things that's going to fill your tank as God's designed the people of God to do. So let's bow together before we look into God's word. Lord, we give you thanks for your word. Oh, just the power of it to speak to our lives. And we pray your spirit to work like right now to illuminate your word. Somehow you have this capacity to give us understanding and insight into what your truth is. And for each one of us here, there's something for us that you want to teach us. For somebody here, you may want to encourage them today with their walk with you. For somebody else, they're going through a trial, they need to be comforted by you. Or they're those who find themselves in a place that need to be corrected by you. Whatever that is, Lord, we're asking your spirit to have that freedom to work in our lives with your word to make us the men and women of God that you call us to be. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, growing up as a kid, I remember one of the exciting times of my life was when I went to take my driver's test. So my dad took me there for the driver's test, and we arrive and we get there. And I go in with this police officer, and he takes me out to drive the car. I drive the circuit around and everything. We come back and we're finally doing that final test of parallel parking. So as we're sitting there parallel parking, I'm backing my car in and I tap the curb with my tires. I see him right down and takes two points off. I pull ahead and try it again. I tap that curb again and sure enough, two more points off. I did this several times and finally the police officer said to me, listen, two more points and you're going to fail the test. So he tells me, just pull ahead. Well, I had the car in reverse. I stepped on the gas to pull ahead, and I went up and over the curb. And he looked at me and said, you've just failed your test. Go find your dad to drive you home. So we went home that week, came back the next week to take the same test again. I arrive outside, and there's that same police officer. I look over against the wall, and there's seven other high school kids all standing there. I'm number eight. The police officer comes over to the first one, and he says, uh, can I give you a test? They said, no, you failed me last week. Number two said, you failed me last week. Number three, you failed me last week. All the way down to me, all eight of us had failed by him last week, so he cannot test us. There's something about testing. There's something about being retested. There's something about when all that happens that we get tired of testing. I'm not sure what your life is right now. I'm not sure what God's doing in your life, but there's probably some testing going on in your life. And somehow you're just feeling tired, worn out. 
It could be in your marriage. It could be at work. It could be here at the church. It could be your vocation. It could be your family. It could be a job you're looking at. It could be school. It could be your health. But somehow you feel like God has been testing you, testing you, testing you. And you're just tired of the testing. That's exactly what happens to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel finds themselves being tested by God. And all of a sudden the question happens, when we get tired of being tested by God, what happens next? And that's what we learn from the Israelites. We're going to see there's three tests in this passage. We're going to see the first test that takes place is in chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. And it's the test of faith. And here's what we read. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Red Sea's behind them. The desert's in front. When you read wilderness, it means desert. Desert in Israel or in the Mount Sinai, it's not just sand. It's rocky soil. It's like mountains on the side. There's sand in places that is dry. Desert means you get 10 inches of rain or less a year. It's a dry place hot place and they're wandering in the wilderness and all of a sudden three days from the red sea three days out and all of a sudden they have no water here's what they say when they came to mara they could not drink the waters of mara for they were bitter therefore it was called named mara mara is a name for bitterness and so they named the waters bitter because that's what they are verse 24 so the people grumbled at moses saying what shall we drink Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made them a statute and a regulation, and there he tested them. The whole idea of God testing them was to test them for that water. As they're wandering in the wilderness just three days out, they find there's no water, and all of a sudden they start grumbling. Now we're not told that they ran out of water, but we're all wired a little differently how we handle something like that. So for example... When you drive your car, you're comfortable of the gas tank being at different locations. My wife grew up in North Dakota. It's cold in the wintertime. You have to be concerned if you ever run out of gas. And so when it gets half a tank, she refills. Now, my idea of the gas tank is the reason you have that little light in there is so that you know that's the time to put gas on. And we both get concerned at different times. I think the same thing was true for the Israelites. It's not that they didn't have any water. It's just some had more, some had less, but they knew they needed more water. So as they're grumbling, God says this is a test. And it's a test of faith. Here he just delivered them from Israel. Here he brought them through the Red Sea. Couldn't he? they trust him three days out that he'd provide water for them? And here's what we find he does. And he said, if you, if you give earnest heed to the voice in the Lord your God... And do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you, which I put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. So he assures them he'll give them good water, he'll take care and watch over them. But then there's an interesting verse, verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where they were twelve springs of water, seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the water. All of a sudden, they have all this water they need. Now, far Elam is from where they were? Seven miles. You almost get the picture that God knew just seven miles later. He had everything planned for them. But there's almost the patience God had with them. That in their grumbling, in their test of faith, he responded to provide for them. 
so that they could learn. He's the God who will provide for them, and they can trust him. Well, they're going to leave Elam. In chapter 16, we're going to find they're now going to travel again. This is a second test, but this is a test of obedience. Here's what we read. Chapter 16, verse 1. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness, that's desert again, of Sheen, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after the departure from the land of Egypt. In other words, they're one month out from the Passover. So now we're one month into it, and all of a sudden there's going to be a complaint and a grumbling again. Here's the test that comes. And the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel said, Would that we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat out, set, set at the pots of meat, when we ate bread that was full, and had brought us out into the wilderness and desert to kill the whole assembly with hunger? Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my statutes and instruction. So God again says he's there to test them. This word of test is the idea to approve, to see somehow there's something in you that needs to be demonstrated that is there. And it usually requires some hardship or adversity to make that happen. So God has them now here. Wondering if they have any bread and they're going to complain for meat too. They need food. God says, I'll provide for him, but it's going to be a test of how I provide. So now comes this test of obedience. We're going to get a description of this. It's going to talk about manna, the bread that God provides. Verse 5. It will come about on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in. It will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord and what, are, are, what we are, and that's your grumblings against us. So he says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get up in the morning, and instead of just seeing the cloud, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. That's a bright, shining, residential glory of God that he's present with them. And he goes on, verse 9. Then Moses and Aaron say to the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. And it came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. So now with the glory of the Lord appearing, and then here's what takes place. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So two things are going to happen. They're going to get meat at night. They're going to get bread in the morning. And now we get the description of how that all happens and unfolds. Verse 13. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew up around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness was this fine flake-like thing. Fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? And the Hebrew for that is manna. For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. So that's what happens. They're now going to get the bread. Now comes the instruction of how they're supposed to process this. Verse 16. This is what the Lord commanded. Gather it every man as much as he should eat. 
You shall take an omer apiece according to the members of your persons of each of you has in your tent. So omer is about two quarts, half a gallon, like a half gallon of milk. Every person in your family is going to get a whole omer, half a gallon, two quarts is what they're supposed to get. Everybody gets to gather that in the morning. And the sons of Israel did so. And some gathered much and some little. But when they measured it with the omer, he who had gathered much had no excess. He who had gathered little had no lack. And every man gathered as much as he should eat. And Moses said this, Let no man leave any of it until morning. So here's the command. Here's what you got. This man is yours. You got it all gathered up. Eat all that you want. But make sure you don't keep any until morning. Get rid of it. It's over. It's done. So here's how we see the test of obedience. Verse 20. But they did not listen to Moses. And some left part of it until morning. And it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. So there's disobedience. Here's the faith. I will provide food for you every day. Just take what you need. There'll be plenty the next day, but don't save any over. And they took more than they needed, and it became foul. Verse 21. And they gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt away. So the manna comes on the ground. They gather what they want and need for the whole day. They're going to eat this all day. And all of a sudden, when the sun comes out, it all disappears. Verse 22 introduces us again to some instruction from God for this test of obedience. Here's what we read. Now it came about on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, Boil what you will boil, and all that is left over that you put aside will be kept until morning. So now they can keep the manna for two days, and it won't go foul. Then keep the quail for two days, and it won't go foul, because they're going to rest on the Sabbath. So they put it aside until morning, as Moses had um, ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. So it's exactly what God said. Verse 25. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord today, and you shall not find it on the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh, the Sabbath, there will be none. And now here's where their disobedience comes in. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather and found none. God told them you could collect enough for two days. This time they disobeyed again. They collected enough for one day, and they went out to find more, and there was nothing there. All of this is telling us that there's this test of obedience. So God first tested them of faith. Now he's testing their obedience. As he tests their obedience, he also continues on talking about this day of rest, and he introduces them to the Sabbath. And here's what he tells them. Verse 28. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instruction? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And most of them did that. So God's testing their obedience. 
after testing their faith. So then he talks about the manna and how they're going to make a memorial of this thing in verse 31. And the house of Israel named it manna, which is actually the Hebrew, what is it? And it was like coriander seed, white, and its taste was like wafers with honey. So it's this thin, crispy bread that somehow has a sweetness of honey. It just sounds delectable to eat. That's what they're given, verse 32. This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer full of it be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness, and when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. So he wants them to collect one omer, two quarts, half a gallon of this, for a memorial to prove to the generations in the future God provided for them. Now this comes down now to be almost an after writing at the end of the 40 years, because here's what takes place. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer full of manna in it, place it before the Lord to be kept throughout our generations. And the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. That's going to be the Ark of the Covenant that we'll learn about later. And the sons of Israel ate the manna 40 years until they came to the inhabited land. They ate the manna until the time came for the border of land of Canaan. Now an omer is a tenth of an ephah. So all of a sudden it says, here's, they kept the omer, they set it aside, they kept it as a testimony before the Lord. For 40 years they were fed, and that omer was going to be the Ark of the Covenant to show to the people of Israel in the future how God provided for them for 40 years. Now comes the third test, and this is in chapter 17, verses 1 to 7. We read this. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of Sin, according to the band of God, and camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. So they leave the uh, Sin, they travel on a journey, and we find in Numbers there are some certain places they stopped along the way, they finally get to Rephidim. When they get there, there's no water again for the nation of Israel. Therefore, what happens in verse 2, something different. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? The first test was a test of faith. The second test was a test of obedience. The third test is a test of God. It shifts. God tested the nation for faith. God tested the nation for obedience, but now the nation is testing God. And what happens is they start quarreling with Moses. It's a little different. Up to this point, they've grumbled. How's grumbling work? Grumbling is something sort of done in the background. Oh, we become aware of it, but it's to your friends or something like that. This quarrel means they came face to face with Moses. They actually stood before him and started complaining to him personally and directly. This is public quarreling. It's almost verbal combat that's going on. It is so serious that he's even going to identify that they were going to stone him to death. That's how serious it was. And they've shifted from the grumbling of uncertainty if God could provide to now a quarreling and argument with Moses that God won't provide, almost like they could demand of God something demand of him at their expectation and desire something that they wanted. The quarrel goes on. It identifies the test as not Moses, but the Lord. Verse 3. But the people thirsted 
there for water. And they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? A little more, and they will stone me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, take in your hand your staff, which you struck the Nile, and go. Now this phrase, pass before them, is sort of a softened phrase. Literally, it's the idea, get out in front of the people. So the Lord tells Moses, listen, your whole congregation is there. I want you to get out in front of the people. I want you to bring some of the elders with you. And I want you to bring your staff, that same staff that you hit the Nile with that turned the river to blood. I want you to use that same staff at this point. The people will know exactly what's going on. The same staff that parted the Red Sea. That staff will be there. They will see you're in front. You bring the staff. What happens then? Behold, I will stand before you there on a rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And all of a sudden, he strikes the rock, and water comes gushing out of the rock. Not a place you should find water. There's not a spring there. There's not a lake there. All of a sudden, there's water coming out of a rock. The miracle that God performs for the nation of Israel. And as he does that, here's what we find that happens, the summary. And he, Moses, named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Massa, meaning bitter. Meribah, meaning quarrel. And all of a sudden he stands out in front, demonstrates that God is the one who's still powerful and in charge, but demonstrates the children of Israel, they were testing God at this time. You know what happens here is we find what the Israelites were learning is that when we get tired of God testing us, we end up testing God. There's somehow that we get in our journey and our walk with God as followers of Christ, and somehow we come up against our own desert. We come to that dry time of life, the place where we feel quiet, we feel alone, we feel forgotten, we feel neglected. We get cautious, we get fearful, we get uncertain. We're not sure if God cares about us, is concerned about us. But somehow we know it's a test that God has brought us into. But even as we come into this test, all of a sudden God's saying, Do you understand what's going on here, that I am testing your faith? I'm testing you for obedience. You know, brothers and sisters, I am not sure where your testing is. I'm not sure where your desert is. But we each know that there's somewhere that we find ourselves being tested by God. It could be your marriage. It could be the sense of you wrestling with things as a couple. As a kid in your home, it could even be with your parents. That somehow God's testing your faith with your parents. It could be actually the home you own. That somehow things are breaking down and broken and somehow it's not the house you really wanted. We start thinking about where God can test you with your finances. Though all of a sudden the money that you have. That during this COVID time, it could be all of a sudden you had to be cut back in a pay. And all of a sudden you're having to pay for things with less money than you had before. And God is testing your faith. Testing your obedience. You may find it with your aging parents. That somehow the demands and expectations on you are testing your faith. 
You may find it could be that your own job. Struggling with a job that you have, do you really enjoy it? Struggling with a coworker, somehow just puts pressure on you, teases you, somehow works against you, and you find this sense of a test of your faith. It could even be your boss. They'll somehow puts expectations upon you, pressure upon you, just feel this onslaught of being tested by God. It could be your future. It could be you have been laid off. It could be you don't have a job. The uncertainty of what's going to happen next for you. It could be as you're planning to go to college this fall. First time you'll be there. Even the uncertainty of what's going to happen when you get there this fall. And all of a sudden your future is called into question. God is testing your faith. It could be our own church. Some of your frustrations you may have uncertainties where God's testing your faith that we're out of the building for all this length of time. You're wondering, when are we going to get back? And the test is there becoming impatient, struggling with God of what happens next. Or that test could actually be your own health. Somehow frustrated with God, disappointed with God with your health. Some issue you're going through, some diagnosis you've got, and God is testing your faith for obedience. He's testing your faith to trust him. We've got all these that are before us. Each one of us wrestling with God, with our own desert, with our own tests of faith and obedience. So if we find ourselves in that place, as you get tired of God tests, you have two choices. You can find yourself where you're going to be trusting God, or you can find yourself where you're going to be testing God. And that's going to come down to your attitude and your heart. Now, each one of us during this time period needs to do a heart check. Somehow we're finding the pressure of being away from people. Somehow the pressure we feel about our circumstances and all going on. Somehow we become like those Israelites. Somehow complaining, grumbling, finding ourselves disappointed, frustrated, bringing challenges and arguments against others. And in so doing it, a heart check, the sense that I'm actually testing God versus trusting God. It may be where you find yourself all of a sudden determined, I need to be obedient in my walk with Christ. How to be obedient? Obedience being submissive to those who are in leadership around you. Uh, obedient is being one who follows themselves by being in the Word. Obedience is one who finds himself praying by sharing Christ with others, by showing kindness, compassion, goodness, care, love towards other people. Somehow, if we're going to be obedient, we're going to find ourselves being those people who understand contentment. Or we're going to be those people who show kindness to one another. Who somehow are patient as things go on. Finally, we may find ourselves being those who are faithful in all that we do. Faithful in our walk with Christ. Faithful in our, our work with other people. But sense an awareness in our heart and our minds. That we're people who are being tested by God. And as we get tired with his testing... Are we going to be people who trust him? Or are we going to be the people who test God? That's a challenge we each face. Somehow recognizing the desert that we're in. Somehow recognizing the testing that God is doing. Being aware of our own circumstances. And in the process of trusting God, or are we testing God? Because we all are going to get tired when we're tested, but when we get tired, we need to trust and not test God. 
Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. And Lord, we confess to you you, that we have testing that's going on in our lives that actually frustrate us, that uh, disappoint us, that somehow make us impatient, that causes us to be fearful or anxious. And Lord, as we confess that to you, we also recognize you're the God who's in control of all things and that we can trust you with that. So we commit ourselves to you as one to be faithful people who pass the test of faith, but also be those people who are obedient as we pass the test of obedience. And we find ourselves being those people who respond with trust and not with testing our God. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.